Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is Pastor Joe Caminetti. This is Greatest Stories Never Told. We're looking at these incredible Bible characters. They're very famous, but we're looking at some events in their life that are seldom, if ever, mentioned. And we're pulling these awesome principles out of those particular events. And uh, today we get to look at James, the brother of Jesus. Now, my brother Tony, he's four years older than me. So when he graduated high school, I was graduating eighth grade. Tony's a missionary. He started three Bible schools in Italy. He started the Bible school in Singapore. Then he started the Bible school in Australia, and he also pastors a church. And that's where he's at today. He's in Australia with his Bible school and the church. And Tony was incredibly talented working with his hands. Like my dad. My dad's really talented. They can build anything, do anything. And when Tony was in school, he took wood shop, and he built this piece of furniture. Uh, we called it a magazine table. And if you can just imagine a coffee table with these beautiful sides where you could s- store your magazines. Today we might call it an iPad table where we put our iPad. But it was so beautiful, it looked like it was purchased at a high-end furniture store and Tony's teacher was so impressed with it he sent it to state finals and Tony won number one best piece of furniture in the state of Ohio that particular year so then I come along four years later or three years later and I have the same teacher and this teacher was so excited because he has Tony's brother he goes you Tony's brother Joe you Tony's your brother yeah he's my brother he's thinking another state championship and uh, he's real excited and I didn't want to be in that class I told my dad I don't want to take it but he kind of forced me to take it and I said dad I have no talent I'm terrible with my hands and he said precisely that's why you need to get in there maybe you'll become a little better so I'm in the class and I was in there about three weeks and, and did these little projects, and everyone was a mess. Everyone was terrible. Glue was the here, and sanded bad, stained bad, varnished bad, did everything bad. And it wasn't because I wasn't trying. That was my best. And the teacher came up to me after three weeks or so, and he said, you know, you stink compared to your brother Tony. And I acted like it didn't hurt. It kind of blew it off, but it really hurt. And I don't think there's one of us in this room that likes being compared to anybody, our siblings or anyone else. But I want you to think about this. We're going to take a look at uh, an event in James' life, and we're going to talk about James, but he was Jesus' brothers. If there, brother, if there's anybody that had to worry about being compared to anyone, it was James. In his early days, he didn't believe in Jesus. In John 7, 5, the Bible shows us that he didn't believe, and I can understand why He grew up in the carpenter shop helping his dad. They did the garden with their dad, and they played flag football, and they hung out, and they played Roman soldier wars and all the things that you do as kids. And then Jesus begins to grow older, and he comes of age, and he begins to say, I came from the Father, and I came from above, and I'm the Savior of the world, and I'm the light of the world. And James just couldn't handle that at first, and I can surely understand But later in his life, he believed in Jesus and he became a follower of Jesus. But he still had to deal with this comparison thing and he dealt with it. And we'll look at an event in his life where we we can see where it all turned around. And it's an event that changed my life once I understood it. And I believe I can help all of us 
today change our lives when it comes to this thing called comparison because if we're not comparing ourselves to someone and thinking they did better, they're doing better, someone else is comparing us to someone. And God doesn't want you to walk through this earth that way. So James got a hold of it. Take a look at his life. Here's just a simple overview of his life. And I want you to see some of the things he accomplished. He was the oldest after Jesus of four brothers and uh, multiple sisters. Uh, he was visited by Jesus after his resurrection. And I, I put this in here because I just think it shows us how much God loves us. And Jesus wanted to make sure he had closure with James. He wanted to make sure James was okay after his resurrection. So he appeared to him just by himself. And, and then he was in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. He was one of the 120 that were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he was married. He had kids. So he went on and, and had a wonderful life. He also was the apostle of the church at Jerusalem. That means he oversaw all the pastors. He was the top guy at the church in Jerusalem. That's pretty, pretty cool. He also wrote one of the book of the books of the Bible. He wrote the book of James. That's really, really cool too. And then later on in his life, he was martyred. And the way that James was martyred, they took him up on the top of the temple and they just shoved him off. He fell about three stories, but unfortunately that didn't kill him. So they surrounded him and they beat him with clubs and rocks. And that's how he died for his faith. And I think about James and I think about how he could have gotten out of the game. I think about how he could have quit. I think about how he could have threw the towel in. And I think about how he could be like so many of us. There's no way I can compete with what Jesus did. And what I have to add is of no value because I can't get close to what my brother did. And I believe this happens to all of us. Most people start life as an original and we end up as a copy. And that's terrible because God made you different. He made you special. He gifted you uniquely. And we deal with this comparison thing, and so we try to be like other people. And this has gone on from the beginning, the start of mankind. One day, Adam and Eve were hanging out, and Adam said to Eve, he said, do you love me, Eve? And she said, yes, Adam. He asked her a second time. He said, Eve, do you really love me? And she said, yes, I love you, Adam. But he asked her a third time. He said, Eve, do you really, really love me? And she looked at him and said, who else is there? <laughs> but scholars tell us they had a perfect marriage because Adam never had to hear Eve say the guy she should have married. And <clears throat> Eve never had to hear Adam say, you don't cook as good as my mom. So they had this great marriage. But comparison is something that's gone on from day one. And this is the thought I want you to walk out with. This is what I want to bring across today. God rewards us according to what we did with what we had. And the idea is we all have something different. We're all gifted differently. Um, we all have been given different assignments by God. And there's no way for me to do what you're doing, and there's no way for you to do what I'm doing. And if somebody else is doing what I'm doing, they may have been diff gifted different, called to do it differently. And so God will reward us according to what we did with what we had. Now, James saw this, and I believe there was an event that caused him to see this. I believe this event changed his life, and I want to read it to you. It's in Luke chapter 8, and, and here's how it goes. Luke 8, it reads this way, verse 19, now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. 
Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Now think about how this could have impacted Mary, could have broke her heart, and think about how it could have impacted James and the other brothers. I mean, Jesus just blew them off. And I try to imagine how this event felt. I mean, they're, 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 they can't get through the crowd, so they talk to security. They tell security, hey, and I, I would imagine James took over. This is the mother of Jesus. I'm his brother. These are his brothers. Can we, can we see him? Can you go get him and bring him to us? So security gets on the talkies and tells the guy that's Jesus' bodyguard, hey, your, his brother, his brothers are here. And, and so Jesus looks at the guy and he says, my mother and my brother are those who hear the word of God and do it. So the guy on the walkie gets a smile, his security guard. He, he, he calls the other guy and he says, hey, tell, tell, tell uh, his mother and his brothers, Jesus said, we're all equal and all of us are the same. We're all his mother, we're all his brother if we hear God's word and do it. And at that moment, Mary could have just been crushed. Her son just rejected her. But think about James. He could have become really bitter. I mean, this could be a, an event that turned him away from God. But James saw something at this moment, and what he saw was this. All that matters is we figure out what God wants us to do. He'll put it in our hearts. We find out what the Bible teaches, the written word of God, his commands, and we simply do it. And if we do, God's happy with us. And that set James free. And I really believe that at that moment, God opened his eyes, and this event, which could have turned him away from God, brought him closer to God, and it took the fuel that fuels comparison, and it just put that fire of comparison out in James' life. And, and it's not by chance that later on, God used James to write a book in the Bible, and the Bible teaches us that the books that were written, that the men wrote as they were inspired by the Spirit of God, but God picked James, and he allowed James to talk about the subject that he learned about at that moment when his eyes were open. And I want to share some things that James wrote in this book that they'll, they'll help you and I never to compare ourselves with another person. And here's what he said, James 2, verses 14, and I'll read through verse 18. He said, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, so that's the example. In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Does that sound familiar? How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So what is faith? Faith, you and I hearing what God says, believing it, that's faith. So he says faith, if it's not acted on, is absolutely dead. And he finishes up in verse 18 and he says this, but someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. And all James is saying is this, in the eyes of God, all that matters is we find out what he wants us to do. We find out from the written word, sometimes the spirit of God will speak to us and put things in our heart, and we just simply do it. And if we do what he wants us to do, he's really, really happy. Listen to this. Uh, this is James 1.22, and it sounds very familiar again. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. 
Just simply do what it says. And this is all going back to that event. Hardly, seldom ever talked about, but man, is it life-changing? Because now James realizes, I don't care what Paul does. And I really don't care what Peter does. And I really don't care what Jesus did. All of those are good. Here's what I care about. Whatever God puts on my heart to do in the kingdom, whatever the Bible says to do, I'm just simply going to do it. And there's a deception that comes when we begin to compare ourselves and we think, I can't do it as good as she can. I can't do it as good as he can. And we just begin to compare ourselves to others. And then we enter into this place where we just feel like we're not good enough. We compare. And most of us get out of the race or we just don't give it 100% because we don't realize what matters to God is this. It's about effort, not results. That's important. Here's a really cool scripture. Listen to Galatians 6.4. Let everyone be sure to do his very best, for then he will have the personal satisfaction of work done well and won't need to compare himself with someone else. Can I tell you that when I was in Woodshop, I really tried, but I could not do what Tony did. Tony and I were machinists for a season. We worked in a machine shop together, and I was running the lathe, and he was like a premier machinist. They used to give him jobs worth millions of dollars, and they'd give me these little jobs worth $50. And so, and I'd turn them on a lathe. And Tony tried to teach me how to make cutting tools. Uh, and, and then I, I couldn't, I couldn't get, go to a grinder and make a tool that would cut on the lathe. I couldn't do it. So then he just tried to show me how to sharpen the ones that were already made, and I couldn't sharpen them. I tried. He would take me there hundreds of times and say, Joe, just do this. And he'd do it. And it was like, it was nothing at all to do it. And then I'd try to do it and I'd gouge it and I'd do it the wrong way. And he just would look at me and say, Joe, why are you here? <laughs> i say, Tony, I don't belong here. I, I should have a suit and tie on. I'm just, I'm making do till I go to Bible school. I just needed a job. And uh, so I'm just working. And, and it was a good job. And I thought, let me do this job and make some money while I'm preparing to go to Bible school. But I didn't have, I didn't have talent. But here's all God cared about. I did try. I gave it 100%. And what God's looking for in every one of our lives is that we give it 100%. And that's where our satisfaction could come. But isn't it terrible when we start to look at what the other guy's doing? That's just terrible. I had a friend still is my friend. His name's Dr. Sam Chan, and he consults all the biggest churches in the country. You, if you named a big mega church, they hired him, and he comes in, and he consults them, and he was telling me one day uh, what, what he hears from the biggest pastors in the country, and it's amazing how these guys have churches of 12,000, and they feel insignificant because someone else has a church of 20, and they feel like they haven't done anything for God, and it's amazing that no matter what we accomplish, if we're comparing, we will think we did nothing. And that's a danger that you and I do not want to in, enter into in any area of our lives. So um, what, what I want to do next is I, I want to talk to you about this incredible parable. It's the parable of the talents. And it is so absolutely incredible. Uh, this is a parable that deals with comparison. This is a parable that deals with giftings. And it shows us what God cares about. So I'm not going to read it to you. I'm just going to tell you the story. You can read it later. It's Matthew 25, 14 through 30. But listen to this. There's this, this master, he's a very rich guy, and he's going to go away for a season, and he gives 
five talents to one man, two to another, and one to another. And it's understood he might have given someone else ten, somebody else seven, but we're just highlighting three. Three is enough to highlight. So he goes away, and then he comes back, and when he comes back, they each have to come before him, and they have to show him what they did with what he gave them. Now, we know from the context it's in, the progression that it's in, that that master is Jesus. We know that those servants are us, and we know that's judgment day. It's the judgment seat of Christ. And the judgment seat of Christ isn't to find out if you and I are allowed to go into heaven. That's determined when you accept Christ as your Savior. It has not, we're going to heaven because we believe you can't work your way into heaven. But the judgment seat of Christ is when you and I are rewarded. And there's something so powerful that's shown here, and it's what James saw, it's what all of us need to see. And when the guy came back, who is Jesus, and the first guy comes up to him, and he says, hey, you gave me five talents, I made five more. What did Jesus say to that guy? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And he went into heaven. Well, now the guy with two talents comes up, and he didn't make ten. He only had four. But he said, he said to Jesus, you gave me two, I grew it into four. That's a type of our gifts and us using our gifts. And he said, look, I used my gift, it grew. And, and what did Jesus say to him? He didn't say, man, you blew it. You didn't get 10. I wanted you to get up to 10. This isn't good enough. He did better than you. Why didn't you do as good as him? Jesus said the same thing. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's pretty cool. No comparison at all on judgment day. So then the guy that was given one talent, he's a one talent gift. He comes up to Jesus and he says, hey, he says, I knew you were tough. I was afraid if I, if I stepped out on the water, I'd make a mistake and I would lose the one that I had. So I buried it and I didn't use it. And I love what Jesus said to him. It's powerful. And, and if you look at the Greek, here's what he literally said, paraphrased. He said, you know, you could have at least taken that one talent, put it in the bank and gained mediocre interest instead of burying it. And translated, what's that saying to you and me? You could have at least tried. You could have at least did something. And, and I can tell you, it wouldn't have mattered if he said, Jesus, here's your one, and I have one and an eighth, one and a sixteenth. Jesus would have said the same thing, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I think about the guy with one talent. Can you guys just put yourself in his shoes? What's he thinking? God only gave me one. He gave him two, gave him five, gave him ten. And, and the thoughts just begin to roll in your head. This guy doesn't really need me. It doesn't matter if I do anything or not for my master because I can't do that much. I only have one. I can't make them all that much gain. And we begin to compare, and comparison always takes us out of the game. It always brings that in feeling of insignificance. But how cool would it have been if he just said, you know what? God gave me the gift. I just have to use the gift that I have. What if he understood God rewards us according to what we did with what we have? What if he would have came and said, Jesus, I have one and a half. You gave me one. I'm... Jesus would have said, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. But what did he say to this guy? It wasn't fun. I don't want anyone in this room to ever hear this. What did Jesus say? He said, man, he said, you're lazy and, and, and you're good for nothing. And what did he say? you got to go into outer darkness. 
I know when I was a young Christian and I read this section, I, I just kept reading as fast as I could. And I tried to forget it because all I could think of is, I don't want to go to hell. I accepted Jesus. I don't want to go to hell. And then as I grew, I understood it. And, and I love the chronological order. I love the progression of it because it helps you understand what's going on. And if you look at the progression, after judgment, after we're judged by Christ and we're rewarded, guess where the next event is? The marriage supper of the Lamb. So you know what Jesus said to the one talent guy? No soup for you, no soup for you. He said, you're not going to the banquet. And you know, you know outer darkness is in hell because hell's got flames and there's no darkness there. It's hot, but no darkness. And so he's just missing the party. And what's the marriage supper of the Lamb, guys? That's when we celebrate at this incredible banquet. It has Asian food, Italian food, African-American food, Hispanic food, Hungarian food, cooked in butter and oil and deep fried. And the calories don't bother us because we're in a glorified body, so no one's bulimic. It's going to be this incredible, awesome party. And this guy's out here crying. He's weeping because he doesn't get to celebrate at the most famous and credible banquet of all. And why is that? He compared and he buried. And what do I want you to walk out of here today never forgetting, man? God rewards us according to what we did with what we had. What if he just used what he had? Would he, would he have been at that supper? Absolutely. And I want every one of us in this room to take away the torment of comparison. When I, was, uh, when I started the church in 1983, my brother Michael was with us, Mike and Barb, and uh, Michael was with us for four years. And while he was with us, he was our youth pastor, and he was also our outreach pastor, and he did just an incredible job. Right around the four-year mark, I was praying one day, and as I prayed, these, God spoke to me. It's kind of like it bubbled up from here, and I heard it inside. It's not with these ears. And here's what I heard, and I was minding my own business, just praying. But I heard these words. I'm going to send Michael and Barb to pastor their own church. And at first, I wasn't happy with it because uh, they did a good job. So why would I want to lose somebody that's that productive? But God spoke that to me. I said, Lord, that's cool. I'm happy. I'm happy. I finally said, that's cool. So a couple weeks later, Mike comes up to me. He says, Joe, I got to talk to you. And uh, so we sit down, we talk. He says, God's dealt with Barb and I that we're supposed to leave and we're, we're supposed to pastor church. I don't know where yet, but we're supposed to pastor church. And I looked at him and smiled. I said, Mike, I was praying two weeks ago and God spoke that to me. So uh, yes, you're right. You're hearing God and I understand it and I want to help you. Uh, you know, we helped him the first year. We sowed money into the church plant. And for what, I don't know, 15 years or so, I, I had no problem with Mike pastoring in Canton because our church was bigger. And uh, he's my younger brother, you know, and our church was bigger. And I started in the ministry before him. But then he bought the Hoover Warehouse. He bought it off a of Hoover Sweeper. <clears throat> and the Hoover Warehouse is 250,000 square feet. And just so you can wrap your mind around how big that is, if you drive around our building, our entire building is 86,000 square feet. So the Hoover Warehouse that Mike bought and turned into a church is three times bigger than our building. And I'll never forget, once he bought it, it was kind of cool because they weren't in it, but I'll never forget the first week that he did his service. And I'll never forget what I had to deal with. It was, it was mixed feelings. Because first of all, 
I'm really excited. That's my brother. I'm happy for him. We, we, have, we love each other. And then I'm proud of him. I'm like, yeah, Mike, I'm so proud, <clears throat> excuse me, that you accomplished this. But at the same time, I felt like I failed. And I'm dealing with feelings of failure because I wasn't the one going into the Hoover building. And he had a bigger church than we did now. And all I could think of is, Lord, I didn't do good enough. And it was at that time in my life when God made what I just taught you come to life. And it brings freedom to you once you see it. Because what, where I've come to in my life and where I want all of you to come to is the fact that God will reward us according to what we did with what we had. So whatever the reasons are, I don't even care. All I care about is taking this community for God and doing what God's called us to do. And all I want you to do is to care about what God's created you to do. Volunteering, helping, whatever it is. Maybe you're doing something that's even, you know, uh, outside and, and, and doing something for God in a different way. It really doesn't matter. All that matters is we understand God rewards us according to what we did with what we had. I love what Theodore Roosevelt said. He, he said comparison is the thief of joy. And you talk about not having joy in your life. You talk about joy being missing in your life. Man, it's the result of you and I not having the understanding that God has called us to be unique and not a copy. And God's called us to do our own thing and not to do what other people are doing. So I trust this message has helped you. I trust this message has been a blessing to you. And I trust that each and every one of you will stop looking at what somebody else is doing. I trust that if somebody compares you with someone else, you won't let it bother you. And I trust that all you care about is putting 100% into what God's given you to do and using the gifts that you have. And you understand what James said and what James learned. Just hear what God's saying and do what God's wanting you to do, and you will be blessed. Can we all say amen to that? Can we thank God that he's fair and he loves us all, man? Let's just thank him. We thank you, Lord God. You're awesome. Hey, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every person in this room, and I know that as I taught the Bible, I know the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts at the same time. I don't know how you do it, but you're incredible. Thank you for doing it. And I know you ministered life to people in this room, and you're changing us, Lord God. I, I mean, I'm so excited. Lord, I'm so excited to see grown men be water baptized, and I know so many of them, and I'm so excited, Lord, to know what you're doing in their lives, and I'm excited also, Father, to see young people. It's just amazing what you're doing, Lord, in people's lives, and I thank you that during this message, you spoke to hearts. And Lord, as we sit before you right now, we make a decision not to compare. And we make a decision, Lord, to just simply do what you've created us to do and to be joyful in that thing, Lord God. And I want to just give you a moment just between you and God. You can pray, you can listen, but just give you a God moment. good, Jesus. You're so good. Thank you.
Let's stay in an attitude of prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And if you're here and you're not sure of your eternity, if you can't remember a moment in your life where the way I like to say it is you made it personal with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. And I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you to leave your church. I'm not asking you to do anything, but I'm asking the most important question in all the world, and that is, what have you done with Jesus? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to God unless they go through me, Jesus. Jesus said, whoever calls on my name, I'll save them. Jesus said, you can't be saved by your works, but you're saved by simply believing in me. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, my heart's touched. My eyes are open. I believe he's the Messiah. I'm ready today to accept him like James did and like so many others. I'm ready today to take the step of following Jesus. If you're here and that's you, would you pray with me right now? Would you make it personal? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Everyone else in the building, would you help them pray? Simply say this after me. Say, Lord God, I repent for all my sins. And this day, I make it personal. Jesus, I believe. And I make a decision today to follow you. Thank you for saving my soul and changing my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believer's Church, visit believers.cc.